Good morning. Oh, wow. Okay, I can hear myself now. How are you guys doing? You know, I'm actually really, uh, I'm really in awe of God that I'm actually standing right here before you guys. Um, it's truly an honor and a privilege. It really a surprise to me, really. But, um, but I'm not here to preach a sermon, guys. I'm just here to, uh, to share about what God's been doing in my life. And, you know, I, I believe that with all my heart that all of us here have a testimony to share with one another. And that's why we're here. You know, I mean, it's kind of funny that, that, that Mark mentioned that I've been here a couple months. Well, actually, I've been here a little longer than that. But, you know, I, almost a year ago when I first visited this church, I almost said, man, this church is not for me. You know, that's my first response to the church because I thought, man, you know, you guys look so good. You know, you guys look all t- put together, well put together, you know. And I don't belong in a church like that because I'm so broken and I'm so needy. But um, since then, God's revealed to me that, you know, this is a church for me. And this is my family. And I have fallen in love with all of you guys. Now, I know some of you guys I don't know yet, so it's still kind of an infatuation at this point in time. But I know I will get to know all of you guys in time because I want to know each of your testimonies of what God has done for you. And I want to thank Mark Giannini this morning for an awesome worship this time, this morning, this uh, anointing. And the songs that he chose, you know, it, it talks about God's faithfulness to us. And then all of us proclaiming the chorus over and again, I trust in you. I put my trust in you. Well, my challenge to you this morning, hopefully, as I share my story, is the question that we ought to ask each of ourselves in every day of our lives. Do we truly trust the Lord? Do we truly trust the Lord with all of ourselves? Do we believe that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords? Do we believe that he loves us beyond all else? Do we believe we're forgiven and free? And that's, that's the message I hope I can bring to you guys this morning. You know, I, you got to forgive me. I'm a little bit nervous. This is the first time I stand in front of a church giving a, a, a full sermon kind of thing. And, um, and also I know that Pastor Dan had threatened me that there's going to be a podcast you'll be listening to just in case I'm speaking any sort of heresy to you guys. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Uh, so... Why don't you guys pray for me? Actually, in fact, I'm just pray. I'm gonna pray again for the sermon. Okay, so why don't you guys join me in prayer? Lord God, yours is so awesome and amazing, Lord God. And I thank you for the privilege, Lord, to live for you. I thank you for the privilege and the blessings that's bestowed upon us to experience how awesome you are in our lives, Lord God. Lord, this morning I just pray that you be with all of us, Lord God, or that you be with me so that you help me sift through the words that, you have, that I prepared. May only the words that your Holy Spirit prompted me to speak will speak, will be spoken. Even those words I have not yet written, not yet known. And Lord, I pray that you speak, you open the hearts of every person here, Lord God, to receive what you have to speak to them, Lord. May this not be my message, but Lord, may this be your message, God, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Um, you know, I was, Dan asked me to give my testimony. You know, I actually made a mistake, well, I don't know how many years ago, probably must have been seven, eight years ago, I asked God this question. I said, God, you know, I want to have a testimony for you. Because I've been a Christian since I was like 13 years old. But I haven't always been bold to share about my faith with everybody because I just felt like, man, my testimony is just not good enough. I don't have anything good to share with people because... I didn't think I saw, I mean, I saw God's graciousness in my life. I saw God was kind to me when I'm, when I'm stumbling along life. God, 
save me here, God, save me there. Is that what God's all about? I mean, I always kind of questioned that, you know. And I remember actually, when this one time I went, went to a, a, a talk by, by the CEO of uh, Crystal Geyser Water. And he, you know, very successful guy. And he actually gave up his career and got off as CEO and went into full-time ministry as a youth pastor. I was saying, wow, how awesome is that? God, I want a testimony like that one. I want a testimony like that one because, you know, I want to achieve the pinnacle of success in this world. I want to get rich. I want to have fame. I want people, my family, my Chinese family, to look at me, or everybody else, look at me, hey, yeah, this guy got it all together. This guy knows what he's doing. And then after all that, I can say, okay, God, I'm ready to give it all up to live for you. You know, because it's such a powerful testimony, isn't it? Because you have the world at your fingertips. Yeah, you chose God instead. I say, yeah, God, I want that. God, I want that. Well, didn't happen. Um, that's not a testimony God wanted to give me. Because he said to me, basically, he says, you know, John, if you know you're going to give it up one day, why bother having it now? I have a different, I have a different testimony for you. And um, so here, here it goes. Um, you know, it is truly amazing to think of it that I was, that I'm standing here right now, and I'm, about think, I'm thinking about becoming a, possibly a pastor or something in full-time ministry and planting churches. Because, you know, guys, just short seven years ago, my life was so different. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and, and she asked me, John, why do you keep military time on your watch? You know, and I kind of thought about it for a second. I was like, you know, military time, that's interesting. Yeah, why did I do that? Then I remember seven years ago, my life mostly consisted of hiding in a dark room in front of my computer. And basically all I did all day was just chat with my friends online, play games till we, we hours in the morning, wake up next day, start again. And then, of course, you know, I was struggling with some other sins, such as, you know, periodically looking at pornography and just wasting my life away. You know, I was just, it was not good. Oh, by the way, guys, I was also serving at a church as a youth group leader, almost basically a youth pastor. I was also the church secretary. I was a translator for the, for, for the Chinese English service. And um, I was living for God, supposedly. But boy, I was so ashamed of myself. And I felt powerless. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. You know, it's like God saved us and we're living this life. Even some of you guys here were serving in ministry. Are there some secret sins that you're struggling with? Are there some secret struggles that you're dealing with in your life that, has, that you haven't fully turned over to God? Well, I was turning some of those things to God. In fact, all those things I mentioned, I said to God, everyone, especially when I fall on my face, especially if something happened to me, I'm devastated. I said, God, you know, God, forgive me. I, I didn't mean to do this. God, please help me. I want to get out of this. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. And then the cycle continues. It happens again. You know, and, you know, guys, I'm not saying that there's going to be ever a day when you're going to walk completely in freedom because God, because God says that time will come when we meet him face to face. But my question for me, and maybe for some of you guys here today, is does your life, is your life defined by the freedom of Christ or is it defined by the bondage of sin? See, there was a sin in my life at the time, seven years ago, that 
had been plaguing me for some 17, 18 years, well, I never, ever turned turned it over to God. There was a part of my heart, I said to God, no, sorry, I'll do everything else. I will give you everything else. I will negotiate on every single other term with you. But that one thing, no, uh, uh, no, that's not negotiable, God. Let me turn back time to when I was 12 years old for the moment. I came to this country. I was born in Taiwan. And uh, I came to this country when I was 12 years old. And, you know, I didn't know a word of English really. Actually, no, that's not true. I knew a few words. I, especially I knew chicken and beef because I did, had, to knew that, had to know that on the airplane in order to order my meal for the day. Okay. Um, it's too bad I didn't know lobster. I would have said lobster, but anyway. Um, but, yeah, I knew chicken and beef. I came to this country. I didn't know God. I grew up basically as a pseudo-Buddhist, Taoist, whatever the hodgepodge that Chinese culture put, puts all of us into. You guys probably saw a lot of that in the Olympics opening ceremony. You saw all the different symbols from different religions that Chinese people believe in. Well, I was part of all that. But I came to this country, and, man, God met me. God met me from the very start. I got off the airplane. Um, got, I, w- I was in Houston. And then the first day I got out, I met my neighbor, neighborhood boy, who, his name is Scott, and he was shooting basketball. I said, wow, how awesome is that? He has a basketball court in his own yard. That was awesome. So we've never seen that. I come from Taiwan, concrete jungle. You know, there's, there's no room for anything. But he was shooting basketball, so I joined him. I didn't speak a word of English. I just, I just clapped my hand like an idiot whenever he makes a shot. And he loved it. He's like, yo, hey. So he started speaking to me. I don't remember a whole lot about what happened because I didn't understand him very much. But um, he invited me into his house, and he started drawing things for me and teach me English. After he showed me his Star Wars collection, I was so jealous. But he started showing me things like, you know, he drew a sun and a moon. He drew the word sun and moon next to it. Drew stick figures, you know, and the stick figures, this is a person, a bunch of stick figures, that's people. And then he drew a stick figure with a halo on, his, on top of the head. It says, that's God. He loves you. And that was a 12-year-old boy. Of course, I didn't. I was like, okay, well, that's nice. You know, I was very fascinated. I told my, my, my family I was living with at the time about it. And then I went to school. Um, my ESL teacher was a Christian, and she, she talked to me about Christ constantly. I don't know if that was legal back then, but he, she did, you know. And she even invited me to her house to do Christmas tree with her. You know, it was great. And, uh, of course, I was lonely. I wanted friends. And the only Chinese-speaking friends I had in, in, my, in my ESL class, English Second Language class, they went to a, they're not Christians, but they went to a Baptist church because they hang out, they can speak Chinese, they play volleyball, and they get to have food every, every Sunday. So, well, I'm game for that. I want to do that. So I went to church, you know. And God just spoke to me and spoke to me and revealed himself to me along the way. And eventually, you know, I said, yeah, I want to try I want to give this God a try. I want to give this God thing a try. And uh, it was great, especially in the beginning. You know, I was pretty much carefree. So God was just, you know, somebody I talk to all the time and, you know, somebody I worship when I go to church and talk about in Sunday school, you know, things like that. It was great. Well, there was only one problem with my life at the time. You see, I came to this country on a tourist visa. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with immigration laws, but if you know what that means, is that, that means in six months' time, my visa expired. And I became undocumented alien. I don't know if you guys, because that's, I don't know if that's a political correct word to say, but I was undocumented alien. Now, I know that I'm not the typical undocumented alien you guys probably might have in mind, but I was. I was not supposed to be in this country, but I was here. You see, my, my father's dying wish 
because he felt so much prejudice in Taiwan that he wanted us to come to America, his children to come to America, to experience the American dream, experience the fullness of the blessings of God. See, my father probably didn't know God, but he knew God blessed this country. There was freedom here. He thought, you know, I want, I want my children to come to America and join the freedom that is here. So we invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into businesses in Houston at the time, in the early 80s, to try to, you know, immigrate into the United States. Well, my father unfortunately passed away before that was able to fulfill itself. But my family, our family friend at the time, who helped us do with investments, said, ah, no problem, we'll take care of everything, you know, just send John over, we'll take, you know, he'll be just fine, we'll work on his visa, it's all good. Well, my father passed away, and as you know, in the early 80s, Houston was a horrible place to be economically. All the business went failed, the billy up, and our, fam our fr family friend actually went bankrupt. So all our money disappeared. There's no, no more reason for me to, no more excuse for me to apply for a citizenship. So I was stuck in a limbo. Next thing I know, about a year and a half later after I arrived in the United States, I was sent to live with my aunt here in California, in Mountain View, not knowing what my future holds. But you know what? I had God. I knew for sure that God was going to take care of me because I just, I just come to know God. You know, I, was, I had a childlike faith, I guess. I said, you know, God, you got me here. Everything's going to be okay. I was a happy-go-lucky child, you know. I was living by myself with my, with my uncle and aunt, my aunt, and then they got sick of me because I was such a belligerent child. And they actually sent me to live with my family, another, another friend of mine from school, and then eventually my mom came to live in the United States with me. But I was still not legal. But you know what? In the beginning, it didn't really matter. Because I didn't, because, you know, public school was free. They didn't check your paperwork before you got in. The first time I really got confronted with my sin, and guys, it is a sin. The first time I got confronted with my sin was the time when I tried to apply for college. Now, I'm not a great student, but I did okay. You know, I got enough, good enough grade to get into university. Um, so I applied to school, but, you know, I realized, wait a second, I can't apply to school. I don't have a status to apply to school. I was really worried. So it's one of those, that was one of those moments I got on my knees again and said, okay, God, help me, help me. I got to go to college. I got to, you know, for me to live my American dream, I got to have a college degree. And so every single University of California that I applied to turned me down, except University of California Davis. Great, so I got into college. Snuck by that one. I thought I was home free, right? Well, before orientation, I got called into the International Student Services. This wonderful lady named Dodie said to me, Hey, John, I'm just looking through your files, and I'm missing some really important paperwork for you. It doesn't seem like you have a proper visa for this country right now. Can you just provide that for me? Because we need that for our documentation. I started getting really hot. Well, actually, just sweaty. I was just sweating bullets because I thought, oh, man, I was just, I'm doomed. I got caught. Oh, God, I got caught. I'm sorry. You know, forgive me. I got caught. So I confessed. I said, you know, Dodie, I don't have, I don't have a visa. I'm here illegally. I'm sorry. You know, I, Dodie looked at me with, with such compassion in her eyes. And she took my paperwork, literally my folder. She opened the bottom drawer on her desk, put the file on that desk shut the drawer, and she said to me, well, John, as long as you're here, as long as I am here, she said, don't worry about it. You go to school, get your education, you know, pursue your dreams. Wow. 
Praise God. Seriously, God, that was God's grace on my life, guys. I didn't deserve that, but God brought me through that hurdle. So I went on to college, and I got really involved with college fellowship. You know, I was really excited. I was in leadership. You know, I was, you know, I started leading worship there. I started teaching, you know, uh, I started teaching Sunday school sometimes. Um, I was a coordinator for a Friday night college group fellowship events. I mean, I was the, I was the guy, you know, I was popular too. You know, I was maybe a few pounds thinner back then. I was pretty, pretty uh, dashing guy, I suppose. I don't know what it was, but I mean, girls liked me. Maybe it came with the power. I don't know what it was, but, 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 you know, girls liked me. And I would start dating a lot of different girls, you know, and, you know, sometimes overlapping, you know, you know, I was just, I'm not proud of any of that, guys. I'm just telling you, that's the kind of life I was living, you know, because fundamentally, guys, the reason why I'm telling you this is fundamentally, I was living a double life, okay? I was saying that, God, I believe in you. God, you're my savior. But God, I'm, but God you know, as far as my life is concerned, I, you're not really my Lord, because I got to live my life, okay? Because I don't know what else to do. But you know, guys, because consequent, consequently, because of what I said to God, there was that emptiness in my heart. Have you guys ever experienced that? There's that void in your heart when you know that God is telling you, hey, psst, 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 John, psst, something is wrong. You're not honoring me with your life. Something's not right there. But you go, you know, yeah, 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 whatever. I got, but I got to be happy. I got to pursue what I want. So, you know, I invested my, my happiness in my ministries, okay? I, I, I thought, hey, people love me. Woohoo! You know, I was doing a good job. You know, my girlfriends loved me. Yay! You know, I was doing a good job. And I was focusing so much of that because that was kind of instant gratif- like instant gratification for me. I started neglecting school. Okay? I didn't do that well in school. Because in the back of my mind, I knew the truth. In four years or five years when I graduate from university, I'm not going to get a job. You're going to ask me for this little thing, nine numbers or whatever number numbers called, social security numbers. Guys, I didn't have that. I didn't have those numbers. So I was, I was really, deep in my heart, there was an emptiness and a despair that I did not want to confront. Okay? Because I knew no matter how well I do in school, it didn't matter. Because I was doomed after I graduate. So you know what? I just didn't take class seriously. I started investing everything, you know, in, in, in church, in friendships, you know, not, always, not honoring God completely, but trying to do my best. And consequently, I didn't get out of school for about seven years. Because I kept, I kept, you know, flunking and taking classes. I was just, I mean, I'm not a stupid guy, guys. I'm, not a stu- I'm really not that stupid. I'm not a genius by any stretch of imagination. But I should have did okay if I really applied myself. But you know what? I didn't do well. And I didn't realize at the time, these are some of the consequences of my dishonoring of God. In spite of the fact that God was gracious to me every step of the way. He carried me every step of the way when I was obedient. But he let me face some of the consequences, guys. Just like some of you guys are facing right now, probably. You know some of the struggles that you have, whether it's financially or your marriage or your, your work or even at church or your relationships. It's a consequence. You know in your heart. It's a consequence of you not honoring God. Or is there something that you did that you didn't honor God? 
Well, I've, I'm, I've been there. I'm still there in some ways. Things really went downhill after I graduated, because I did eventually graduate. People at church figured out I was a fraud, okay? Because the girls I, I, I cheated on, they started talking to each other about me. Um, you know, I, I, it sounds kind of funny, but it's not. Um, they also knew I was, you know, playing a lot of video games. I, was, I got involved with this thing called Magic the Gathering, which is a card game. And that was really the excuse they used to kind of kick me out of church at the time. I don't agree with that, guys, by the way. The church should never kick somebody else unless you're completely unrepentant. I just want to tell you guys that. But you know what? It was important for me to be disciplined. And that was God's discipline in my life because I was not honoring God. And I was dating this girl at the time, and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to just devote, I've, I had an awakening, I guess, of sorts, and I said to God, God, I'm going to devote myself to this girl. I'm going to be committed. You know, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my life, you know, because my life otherwise really sucks. I don't know what else to do. Sorry, maybe I'm not supposed to use that word, but that's really how I felt. Um, and it was a really, really destruct, mutually destructive relationship. I was in six years. But I stayed in it. Because I had no other choice. Because, guys, we had consulted lawyers that have gone through all these different means multiple times trying to figure out how to fix my status. Nothing would work. And although throughout my college years, I've always rejected the idea of marrying a girl for my citizenship or for my salvation because I thought that was just dishonorable. I mean, how silly is that, right? I mean, while I was li living a life of dishonor, I thought I shouldn't do that because I was dishonorable. I mean, it's not funny how we pick and choose what honors God and what doesn't matter. I mean, that's what happened. That was happening to me. Okay, so but then at that time, at that point in time, I really thought, you know what? This girl says she loves me, and she she says she's going to marry me. So I'm going to stay with her as best I can. So I stayed in that mutually destructive relationship for up to six years of my life. And then one day, immigration law changed in this country. All avenues were completely shut to me other than marriage. I got desperate, and I say, hey, it's time to get married. She says, whoops, I don't really like you. See ya. No, I'm serious, guys. That's what happened. She started telling me everything that was wrong with me, and you know what? She was right. She was right. But she told me everything that was wrong with me, but she, and then she left. She ran to Southern California where I can't find her. And I was stuck here, devastated, crushed, didn't know what else to do. So you think, guys, I will repent by now, right? Right, guys? No, I didn't. I did not repent. Because you know what? The whole time I've been thinking, I was thinking, God, you brought me here in this country. It is you who brought me here. Surely you have a plan for me here, right? Surely you don't want me to come and experience the beauty and wonders of this country and the opportunity it affords. Surely you didn't place in my heart an American dream just to take it away. Surely there's a solution. So, no, I didn't repent. I continue on. I was so thick-skinned, I actually went back to my old Chinese church that kicked me out, and I talked to the pastor. I said, Pastor Lee, please, I need help. I don't have any idea of hope. I need help. Please help me. I understand that there is a way a church can sponsor somebody to become a citizen. 
if you just become a, a, a full-time worker for the church of some sort. I better remind you guys, I've been, I've been away from church for like three, four years by the time, okay? I was, not, I was living in sin. I didn't have any, I didn't have, I didn't have any seminary work. I was, I was, but I was begging for mercy. I said, please, you know, help me. You know what, Pastor Lee was a man of compassion. He said, yeah, I will help you. He took my case before the board of the church. They unanimously rejected me. They said, you, that was, that's sin, guys. No, 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 this guy is no, not a good, this guy is not good news. They were wise. They knew better. I was not good news. Also, I need to be told I was not good news because I, I still think I was okay in some ways. Because I, somehow because God's grace has always been in my life. But then, you know, after I got rejected, he, he told me, you know what, there's, an, there's another pastor in the Bay Area who may be able to sponsor you. His name is Pastor Fong. Go talk to him. Maybe he'll give you a job. And I talked to Pastor Fong, and after an interview, Pastor Fong did give me a job because he didn't have to talk to the board. Okay. It was a small church. So the next few years, I started working there and while applying for my citizen, applying for my green card as a, as a religious worker. Well, guys, INS are stupid. They looked at my file, and they saw my absolutely unequivocal, unqualified, is that a word? I just don't have any qualification to do the job I was doing. And they said, no, sorry, with your, your request... It's denied. And this was about 1989. Oh, no, sorry, 1999. Pardon me, 1999. God was just really breaking my heart because I was working, I was really working, I was working really hard as a worship leader, as a youth leader and everything, okay? And I really, really wanted to serve God. And I was really shocked that that door was closed. But I still, but I didn't give up. Because I thought, you know what, I'm honoring God. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to serve God. So I kept going. I didn't stop going to church. I didn't stop serving. But I also didn't cleanse my life. But I felt desperate. I felt desperate. You know, I guess, I thought, I, I guess in, my, in my heart I said, you know what, my secret sins doesn't really matter to anybody else. Because I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just being me, right? But in Psalm 90, verse 8, it says, You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins are in the light of your presence. God knows our sins, guys. Even when we think that nobody else knows, God knows. People can see that. And you know, David, in Psalm 32, described how I felt that time perfectly. He says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. But when I kept silent, my bone wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. Can you guys relate to that? That's how I felt, guys. I was crawling on my knees, basically, in life. Because something heavy was on my shoulders, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't want to know what it was. I ignored what it was. I kept repenting for the superficial sins of my life. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to degrade. I'm not trying to grade different degrees of sin. But there is a sin of your heart, and there is a sin that in your heart that says, No, no, God, I do not belong to you. I will not honor you no matter what. So I started fixing, I started addressing only the symptoms of my sins. 
which came, came, came to light in various things like, you know, like I said, you know, wasting away, locking myself in a room, chatting, wasting my life, you know, pornography, whatever it was, okay, whatever different things I was dealing with, okay. But I was not repenting for the one sin, that one sin that all of you guys know what it was, right? All you guys know what I should do, right? What I should have done. Amen? I didn't know. I did, but I didn't want to know. Okay? And finally, you know, one day, I still had a good sense to go to church on, on the weekdays sometimes because I need to get fed. Because on Sundays, all I did was try to feed the children I was teaching. So I was starting to go to this, this group called 20-something in First Covenant Church. I'm not sure if you guys, some, some, a lot of you guys are from that, from that 20-something, so you know all about it. Well, there was a pastor by the name of Clark Greebar, and I, I really admired this pastor. He was like a velvet hammer. He spoke very much like this all the time. He didn't have much volume to his voice. But the words that he spoke were the truth of God, and it hit me really hard each time I heard him. One day he was preaching on Exodus chapter 33, and Julie, would you mind pulling that up? Exodus chapter 33, and verse, this is the story of the Israelites in the golden calf. Are you guys familiar with that? Basically, God delivered the Israelites from, 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 their, from their slavery, from their bondage. And they were wandering along in the desert, and things weren't always going great because, you know, they were in the desert, for crying out loud. They were eating this thing repeatedly called the manna, which is supposed to taste great, but if you eat the same thing every day, you get bored, right? So they were griping, they were complaining, everything. And, and one day when, when, when Moses went up to the mountain to meet, to meet with God, the Israelites decided, hey, you know what? We have this great idea. We used to pray to this golden calf in Egypt, and it was great, you know, because, because, because of that, we lived in comfort. We didn't have to, you know, be in the desert. So let's, let's, why don't we just do this? Why don't we collect all the rings, gold rings, and everything that's melted together and form a golden image of the calf, and let's worship that. Well, Moses is gone, so he won't get mad with us. So, yeah, like, he, like Moses wasn't going to find out when he gets back, right? Like the God who parted the Red Sea wasn't going to know that they were disobeying him. Right? But anyway, uh, so, so they did this golden calf. And of course, you know, Moses came down the mountain and found out about it. Moses was furious. Moses went back to the mountain and Moses talked to God. God was furious. Every rightly, very rightly so. God was furious. This is what, uh, this is the scripture that, um, in, 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 this is a scripture that, 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 that talks about God's response to the Israelites' sin. In Exodus chapter 33, verse, verse 1, it says, then the, Lord said, then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised you on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. There's a caveat. But I will not go with you because you're stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you along the way. So the Israelites are still going to, still got permission to go to the promised land. They will still receive the blessing of milk and honey, but God was not going to go with them. Well, this is Moses' response to God. Verse 15, he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from there. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? How, what else will distinguish me and your people from all other people from the face of the earth? Basically, he was saying to God, God, no, no, no. I recognize it's not the blessing that we live for. It is the blesser we live for. 
Well, you know, guys, for the first time in 17 years sitting in that room, I think I was hit by a lightning bolt. Because I had a promised land that I thought I was going to, the American dream. I wanted to go to that promised land so bad. I was going to do it at any cost. Okay? I, w I, I was willing to marry somebody for, for that. I was willing to, to <laughs> pretend to work for the church for that. I mean, I didn't pretend. Honestly, I was really trying to do, do that. But, you know, I was trying to go through all these different avenues, trying to get to my promised land. But all the while, I didn't ask God if he was going with me. And I think God said to me that day, he said, John, I'm not going with you. Because you're not honoring me with your life. You know what you're doing is a sin. See, every moment, every time I went out driving without a license, and guys, I did drive without a license for six years. Because I couldn't renew my license without, without a social security number. And you know, this is, this is how ironic it is. Like, God's tried to tell me this so many times. I was taking a girl out. I was trying to impress her. I took her to San Francisco with me. And I got stopped, by, I got stopped at a sobriety checkpoint. And my car was impounded. Not funny at the time, guys. She was not impressed. We had to, I, had to, I had to take the bus to my friend's house in San Francisco and borrow his car to come back to Davis. It was pretty sad. But, okay, so that was a sin, right? Every time I tell people, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Yep, yep, I'm... I'm I'm sinning, I'm lying. I'm not supposed to be here, okay? Every moment of my existence here in this country was a sin because I'm living a lie. Are you guys in some way living a lie right now? I don't know that. Only God knows that. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you. But guys, if you feel this heavy pressure on your shoulder, if you feel this heaviness in your heart, if you feel like you're just not living that full potential that God has called you to, the question to ask the Holy Spirit today, is there something in my life, God, that I'm just not hearing? Is there something that I'm doing that's just not honoring you? God confronted me that day, guys. And I started repenting. And the repenting process took a little while longer. And finally, on November, 11, on November 9th, 2001, not 9-11, but 11-9, 2001, I got into a major car accident. And I was threatened that my entire household will be sued to nothing because I was driving without a license. I was crushed. I knew for sure I was goner this time. I was for sure that there's no saving grace for me now. They're going to get me for everything I've got. I knelt down and I cried and I cried. I told my mom I was sorry. I locked, in my bedroom, locked myself in my bedroom for the next five days, six days, whatever. And I cried. I said, God, I'm sorry. This is it. This is it. I'm facing my consequences. Not only am I doing that, my family's going to suffer along with me. This is it. God, I'm so sorry, God. But, but you know, I, I will change, God, if you just save me. But... If there's any way you can spare me, please spare me because I don't, want, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't want it to end like this, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Five days later, I got a phone call. It was a, the ladies' insurance company. 
say, Mr. Shen, I understand that my client struck, struck your car. Which body shop would you like to use? I'm like, what? You're fixing my car? They say, oh, yeah, of course. It's our fault. You need a rental. No, 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 I don't need a rental. <laughs> but I didn't have a license. I didn't want to tell her that. But no, 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 I'm fine. And I talked to the lady afterwards. She's, I said, you know, why did you not press charges? Because her father really wanted to press charges against me. She says, well, it was not your fault. And I just, just felt it was the right thing to do. Guys, I don't even know if she's a Christian or not. She said it was the right thing to do. And here I am, a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. And I didn't choose the right thing to do for 17 years of my life. Yet God spared me. Thanksgiving, that very same month, I knelt down and I cried to God and I said, God, my life is yours. You saved me when I was 13, but now I'm 30, I'm 29. My life is yours. You, for the first time, I will declare you as my Lord. Whatever you ask of me, I will do. And the first thing he said to me, okay, John, go back to Taiwan. That's what I had to deal with, guys. Go back to Taiwan. So, okay. I told my mom. I told my sister. I told all the people who invested all these years in me. And having all these hope that I will succeed in this country. I'm leaving, guys. I can't stay here because God's telling me that I'm not honoring him. They didn't understand. Even my Christian friends didn't understand. Are you sure you have to do this? This doesn't seem right. No, that's what I have to do because God's telling me I'm wrong. Funny thing is I'm still here, right, guys? I didn't actually end up going to Taiwan. And that's really another testimony, and I'm really out of time to, to share that. But I can tell you this much. God wanted more than anything else, more than going back to Taiwan, more than, more than you know, confessing to everybody I was a legal alien. What he wanted was for me to confess to him that I am a sinner I held on to this sin. I barred you out of this part of my heart. And I'm so sorry, God. Please come in. Take control. Be the Lord of my life. Because miracles started happening, guys. Miracles started happening in my life. Okay? A few months after that, I met my, my future wife, Lori. Because I started, I met her because I confessed to her my sins and how I was going back to Taiwan. And she even prayed for me that night saying, you know, just be open to whatever God has for you. But, you know, just honor God with your life. And I did. I was trying, I was doing my very best. I want to honor God. The miracles happened. I'm looking at a miracle right there, Mr. Richard Deal, my father-in-law. I actually got, you know, when I first started falling in love with Lori, I had to, God told me, go talk to Mr. Deal. Go talk to Richard and ask him for his permission and blessings. So I had the wonderful opportunity to go up to Richard and say, by the way, hey, um, I'm a legal alien. Uh, I have no job. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have much money. I don't really know what I'm going to do in my life. And I think I'm supposed to be going back to Taiwan. Um, I haven't always lived the life that honored God. But, you know, I really want to honor God with my life right now. So just based on that, would you please give me permission to court your daughter? And a miracle really happened that day because he said yes. I mean, 
Guys, so it's been a journey of restoration, of healing, of mercy and grace that I never deserved. You know, you want to talk about the grace that carried you through my sinful years, that carried me through my sinful years. Well, the mercy and grace that came after my confession of my sin blew my mind away, blew my, blew my mind. And still today, I can't believe it. Wow. I'm standing here, guys, before you. I have my green card. I have a marriage. I have a wife who loves the Lord with all her heart. Okay? I have a wonderful church family. I have, I have all the opportunity in the world now to do anything I want. And I have an opportunity to go serve the Lord full time. God's not done with me. He's still working on the different parts, compartments of my heart that he was revealed to me daily. John, this part of my heart is still in the bar to me. Would you, would you give that to me? Guys, wow. God was so good to me right now that I can't even, it blows my mind. You see, guys, for many years, I did not believe. I did not believe that God really loved me. Jeremiah 29, 11, would you please pop that on the screen real quick? It says, for I know the plans I have you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Guys, I didn't believe that. If I believed that, I would have done what he said was right to do from the start. My question to all of you today, do you believe that? When the worship team sang that song this morning, I trust in you. Do you really believe that, that you trust in God? I trust in you. Trust God enough to not do things my way, do things God's way. Trust God enough to not stay in sin, but to repent from your sin so that you may live a holy life. Even though you might, be appear, you might appear as a foolishness, foolishness to the world. But you know why God says foolishness of the world? He will use the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. Amen? So that's my story, guys. And God's blessing is so amazing. God's blessing is waiting for all of you guys. He just wants you to give your heart to him. Completely. In Jeremiah 20, chapter 3, verse 31, 21, it says, Return, faithless people, and I will cure you of your backsliding. And you see your response the same as, as, as Israelites. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Psalm 24. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may it stand in, my holy, in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, he who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O, Jake, o God of Jacob. Are we the generation that seek him? Are you willing? Raise your hand. Say, yes, God, I will seek you with all my heart. I want to know what it's like. To not just slide on your grace anymore. I want to know what it's like to soar on the wings of eagle. Amen? I want your power of resurrection in my life. I don't want just to be carried by the footprints in the sand. That's good. Praise God. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is faithful while we're still faithless. Because he cannot deny himself. Amen? But guys, there's so much more waiting for us. We just choose to honor him with our lives. The last story I want to share with you real quick is the story of my dog, Asher. He's really cute. He's a lasso opso, tiny little guy. And uh, he's an indoor dog. He likes to stay indoors, so I always give him a bath. Every day he goes out because he, he likes to pee on his foot. Not very pretty. And uh, 
But anyway, so, so I will routinely tie, wash his feet when he comes home, when he comes back in, and I will tie him to the door for just a few minutes, wait till his feet dries off. And one day I was playing a trick with him because I thought it might be funny. I was, I was wiping him down, and I secretly unhooked his leash from his neck. And I walked, I backed off, I walked away. He looked at me, he was prancing there. <laughs> and he started crying a little bit because he thought I was leaving him. He stood right there, thinking that he was still leashed to the door. I thought, well, this is pretty funny. I said, honey, come look at this, you know. And then I went to grab a treat. Well, he loves treats. He loves treats, guys. And I showed it to him. And Asher was like, <laughs> he started crying because he said he wanted that treat so bad. But he still wouldn't budge from where he was standing because he thought he was leashed to the door. And I looked at my wife and said, man, that's so funny. Look at him. He's so well-trained. And you know, the Holy Spirit said to me, well, so are you, John. You're so well-trained. Because I am no longer a slave to sin. Amen? But I live like I'm a slave to sin all the time. Why? I have a spirit of, of life. All of us, guys, we have the spirit of God in us. We, can, we don't have to any longer be chained to our sins. We don't have to any longer live in bondage. We can live in freedom. We can live for God. We can claim all the promises that he has for us because he's a living God and he wants to give it to us. But he wants to hand it to you. He wants you to know that he wants you to honor his life. Therefore, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not any longer conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the way that you give us what we don't deserve all the time. Oh, God, thank you because you are so loving. But, Lord, forgive us because we focus so much on your love. We forget that, we forget that you're a holy God. You want us to honor you, Lord. You want us to give you our lives. Oh, Lord, help us today. Come and transform our hearts and our minds. Lord, we want to live for you as living, living sacrifices for you, Lord. We want to know what your perfect and pleasing will is for our life so that we might be a witness for you, so we might have a testimony to tell the world. Because, God, it's not the greatness that we achieve in this world and then the greatness that we give up for you, that is praiseworthy. But because, because what is great, what, is our, what our testimony is, is our weakness and your greatness in our lives in spite of that weakness and that brokenness. Oh, Lord, we want to honor you. Give us the testimony to tell about you today. Help us to repent and turn to you completely and wholly from this way day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.